I like spinach, I like kale, I like turnip greens too. I like string beans and collard greens and、uh, Brussels sprouts will do. Welcome to Dr. Yum's Dish. I'm Dr. Namali Fernando, also known as Dr. Yum, and I'm a pediatrician and one of the founders of the Dr. Yum Project, a nonprofit organization in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to help families make the connection between food and health. And on this podcast, we get the dish on food and health while talking to interesting guests who really believe and understand the power of that connection. Today, we have a very special guest who gets that power of that connection in a very big way. Brian Kiernan is a chef who has been in the food services industry for over 30 years. He is the director of food services for the Fredericksburg City Schools in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and he works tirelessly to bring healthy whole foods to the children he serves every day, despite Really challenging circumstances. Among the charitable work that he does in our community, he is also the founder of Mobile Kids Cafe, which is a summer feeding program that brings food to children during school breaks. Thank you so much for being here, BK. We're all familiar with the cafeteria lunch,、um, what that may look like, but in Fredericksburg, there has been such a departure from I think what is. Uh, the image of school lunch and BK de- deals with a really challenging school district with a lot of kids with、uh, that qualify for free and reduced lunch. And yet, what we see in the school lunches and breakfasts is phenomenal, phenomenally different, I think, than what most people, parents, may see their kids eating. So tell us, like, how did that happen? It's still happening, actually,、uh, and hopefully it'll it'll continue. What we tried to say to ourselves, and, and certainly I did, and, and the people above me, I have to give credit to where credit is due, which is、uh, school board members, administrators,、uh, the people work with me and for me, I guess you'd call it, but in my department, we we had to change the culture, and we do it gradually. So we we picked、uh, an area. Which was service of to the children, and then the quality of the meal, and the quality of the meal, of course, has to gradually change, not drastically change. Right. You know, education is all about continuity, so you want to do it gradually, not scare. I'm not scaring kids into eating healthy. I'm educating them to eat healthy. That's the idea, and that's that's the theory. Fortunately for for Fredericksburg and for myself, that this has been bought into. <laughs> this, you know. The old saying is, I guess if I can sell used cars, I'd be a rich man. But I don't <laughs> sell used cars; I sell food to children, and and they're and they're they're buying into it because it's they they realize in baby steps that this is it tastes better, it looks better, it is better.、Um, so about ten years ago or eleven years ago,、uh, we started basically flipping that over and trying to create more avenues for children to get healthier food, and taking the, the way you do it is you have to do it fiscally responsible. Of course, as always. But the way you do it is you have more kids eat. More kids eat, it generates more revenue. There's more revenue, you turn it back into the plate. So what we did is we created a program or a series of programs that give kids healthier food, more options a day. The, the key to my program is really at every level they have a minimum of five things a day they can pick from to eat. Now at lunchtime for an elementary school kid, that's pretty cool. Yeah. They don't look on the men- on the menu on the refrigerator and say, "Oh, I don't like that," and then put their head down and walk away. Right. They know that they can get it something every day. Every day they can get something off the menu. They can have a yogurt lunch. They can have a salad bar. They can have 
what we call a, our our fake peanut butter is is sun butter, or now we have a soybean butter, which is very good. They can get that in jelly. You know, they can get something. Right. And then um, that was really important. And so what we tried to do is we tried to generate um, interest. <laughs> Generating interest, it, it, you may think is easy for a child, but it's really not when it comes to food because they're very fickle. So you expand your choices, you improve the quality of the food, you give them consistent products every day where they know what's coming at them. And then you keep reinforcing it um, and you expose them to new things. So, you know, we went from serving 35% of our kids, we serve now 77% of our kids. Wow. And part of that has to do with, you know, the socioeconomics of of the city. Part of it has to do with the food. I'd like to think part of it has to do yeah. with the food. And I really think it does. And the staff. I mean, the staff is what makes it happen. So um, it's the whole uh, experience. You know, we try to we try to revolutionize. We try to evolve it into something. But then some people say we try to, you know, make it a revolution of, of change, which I, I think we have. And, and it'll continue going. You have a very unique job. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of what your day looks like. You manage food services for five schools, you were just telling us. Uh, yes, we have approximately 3,500 students in Fredericksburg City. And we try to be prepared to feed every one of them. So we feed approximately uh, 3,000 of them every day for lunch and uh, about 2,000 for breakfast. So it's it's a bit daunting. However, the day the days kind of get cyclical in their, in their creation. It, it starts at six, it ends at uh, four and it's the 10 hour you know wonderment of school nutrition <laughs> and I say that because uh, my staff I my staff works a few less hours than that thankfully but uh, the seven or eight hours they put in is is pretty daunting so and, when are you up like starting your day and what are you doing my day starts at 4 30 in the morning oh my god with my dog Charlie and a cup of coffee <laughs> and uh he's usually my best uh my best audience because he doesn't argue with me in the morning we plan our day uh with adjustments every night as things go on i have i've got these incredible this incredible staff but four of my managers uh, we're, we're on a quick link of our tech so things come up and we're we're always prepared for every day and and it, and it makes it such an enjoyable experience and i think not just for us but for the kids and for the faculty and in some ways we're looking forward to the summer but in some ways we're not yeah it's the end of the school year yeah so yeah that's kind of a nice thing yeah. So I remember years ago when I was kind of getting started um, working with families to teach them how to eat better, um, people were like, you've got to meet Brian Kiernan. You've got to meet Brian Kiernan. Every, <laughs> everyone calls him BK, and he's getting the kids in Fredericksburg to eat all this great food. And I remember meeting you out, I think it was at the farmer's market. You might have been mm-hmm. doing a demo and you had all these hummus samples, different hummus yeah. samples that you were um, letting people try. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is a guy in the public schools and he's making hummus for kids. Like, I've got to know this guy. What is what is his secret and how is he yeah. doing this? So how do you do it? How do you get kids to eat hummus in the public schools? Well, first of all, you have to make it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny, uh, 10 years ago. Really earlier than that, but ten years ago, when I when I had a big push on this uh, this avenue that we went down, we started doing whole grains, we started doing um, less fat, and all the things that 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 came up in the 2012 initiative from um, the Obama administration. Thankfully, we were doing it in 2006, 2007. A lot of them, just just by common sense. Sure. 
um, trying to make it a healthier meal for a child. And at the same time, taste good. So when we started doing the hummus, you're not going to have 400 kids eating hummus. But what if you have five <laughs> to right. start? What if you have 10? And then it grows and it grows and grows. Really, what we we designed an avenue to get the, the, the food to the kids, and the avenue was called the salad bar. We did that from 2005 at the elementary school. So you had third graders standing at a salad bar making their own salad. And to see that, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And it just steamrolled from there because they had access to these things that normally they wouldn't have access to. And so there'd be an employee there explaining what it was, maybe some signs, maybe some handouts, maybe some testings. And that's really how it goes. And it's just, it's, it's like education. (laughs) Right. People think it's so bizarre, but it's not. It's just like continuity of education. You you have to do it all the time to reinforce it. And if you expose them to these things, some kids are going to find interest in it. Some aren't, and that's okay. Because not everything's for everybody. But, you know, if you can satisfy most of the people some of the time, it's better than all the people never. <laughs> right. So at least you're getting kids to really get exposed to stuff to that, that they can go home and talk about. You know, one of the things that, that changes everything for me is when a parent comes to me and says, my child asked for salad this weekend for dinner. It's the best. Because we have salad every day. Right. In February, in January, when lettuce is $50 a case, I don't care. Lettuce is going to be out there. Salad's going to be out there. Tomatoes going to be, you know, everything spikes different times of the year. Right. It's, it's irrelevant to me. So, I mean, for those of you listening, we live in Fredericksburg, mm-hmm. Virginia, and, um, and your uh, school district is um, challenged in terms of you, you have a lot of kids who qualify for free and reduced lunch. And, I mean, it's got to be difficult to do that. I mean, for people who say, how do you feed healthy food to so many kids on such a tight budget? What do you tell them? I do the same thing I do at home. So last week I had asparagus, green beans, cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, and there was one, oh, and of course the superfood sweet potatoes. Yeah. Those were my vegetables for dinner. Once once a night I made sure I had one of those fresh. Yeah. And that was just, you know, one of the parts of my meal. Each night I knew I had something like that. We do the same thing in the schools. It's not impossible to cook healthy food at a reasonable price. It's actually a lie, and I hate to use the word, but it's true, that fast food is cheaper. Right. I grew up in the fast food time. I grew up in the late 60s, early 70s, when fast food was really booming. It started in the 50s, but it really was booming in the 60s and 70s, and then into the 80s, and it's still booming, I know. But back then, it was cheap. Right. <laughs> it, it was a certain resource for parents that worked, and I understood it. I lived it. But nobody's going to tell me, and it doesn't matter who it is, I'm not anti any company, but nobody's going to tell me that it's cheaper and more effective. Forget nutrition, just cheaper to buy fast food than it is to make food at home. It's just a flat out lie. No, I mean, I, I, that's a, it's, it's, something I, I preach a, a lot it, too. Yeah. It's, it's a distortion of the truth. And it's really just because people maybe don't have the skill set to that's, cook. That's the shift is if you know how to cook, it, it, then it's it easy becomes, to say. yeah, it becomes more affordable mm-hmm. to take those fresh foods and make something delicious. But it's really not hard to learn. It's not. It's not. I mean, that's that's our passion here. But um, but a lot of people didn't grow up cooking, and so that's right. why we want to um, 
infuse them with that understanding that's not that hard and mm -hmm. they can accomplish it. Um, and it doesn't have to be fussy. It can be very simple. And sometimes the simpler, the better, especially if you're getting good, fresh produce. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be so many steps and so many techniques. It really can just be simple seasoning and steaming something. Yep. And you've got a really fast, affordable dinner. And it's an, it's really an enjoyable activity. Right. And I know people who say, I hate to cook. I'm sorry to hear that. I really am. I'm really sorry to hear that because it doesn't take all day. Cooking in my house happens every day. There's never a day that I don't cook something. And that's, people think it's crazy because I work all day cooking. Right. But there's a certain love for it. There's a certain need for it. You know, right. I'm not, I'm just not going to go out and buy food all the time. Fast food. Right. Um, I'm just, or restaurant food. It's just, it's just not my style. I'm going to go out um, and get the raw materials and really try to create something. It's my way of being creative i guess but it's also a family thing it's really important it is you know it there's, is. there's a lot of interaction that goes on whether it be between adults or children or children and adults or whoever um there's a lot of fun that goes on with just the interaction of doing something and communicating yeah you know so um years ago bk and i worked on a program together called uh, the fun food academy um and it was a program to educate uh, students in Head Start mm -hmm. and their parents on how to make healthy food at home. And so there were kind of two parts of the program, right? Yep. So BK was involved in teaching the parents how to make a delicious meal. Do you remember some of the meals that you taught them to make? Yeah, we, we really modeled them after meals that they would take shortcuts on and buy in a fast food restaurant. That right. was the, the that was the fundamental um, basis for it. So instead of having a box of chicken tenders and french fries we'd make roasted potatoes and we'd make real chicken tenders we'd bread them we'd, we'd right. show them how to egg wash them and bread them they were lean it's a lean protein then we'd also have some sauces that we make or set we had a salad every night we made our homemade salad dressings so with things that we did that would really substitute that we kept it under like 12 or 15 dollars for a family of six yeah um and we kept the time like under under 45 minutes or something that was our goal and it really was an effective tool it exposed people to healthier eating the skill set of chopping something cutting something up washing something what have you um and it's funny you brought that up because i just had a meeting um they are requesting i bring it back this year oh so we, <laughs> it's funny you say it because i had a meeting with the head start people and they said can you bring back the Fun Food Academy? Because we didn't, haven't done it in the last two years because of many reasons. But some of the feedback, some of the participation wasn't as good as we'd like. But yeah. again, and, and timing was an issue. And But we are bringing it back this year, yeah. so coming in September, October. So uh, I remember you would do the parent education mm -hmm. piece. And then uh, myself, there were a couple other pediatricians in the community and some dietitians yeah. from our local hospital, Mary Washington Healthcare. Um, we would do sort of the kid piece. So yeah. we were just starting our preschool food adventure, um, which yeah. is a curriculum that is now in its fifth year teaching preschoolers. And we would take elements of the curriculum and just do an activity, a food activity yeah. with the kids. And, um, and it was just so fun to see how much fun they were having around food and just changing the dynamic with healthy food and making it really enjoyable. And, um, and I remember, I think we did that a year or two, and you finally said to me, why aren't we doing this program in Head Start? 
Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. And it, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Why aren't we doing it, it in Headstar? It like it makes sense. It was my dream. I mean, truthfully, it was my dream to have this program in Head Start. And uh, when you said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, maybe we can do it. I mean, maybe this right. dream will come true finally. Um, and so one thing about BK is you um, you just find a way to do things. Uh, that's what I really what, admire about you the most. I think what happens is you, when you're active in your community, which I am, as I try to be, you are invited to several, let's just say, committees. And any committee is a good committee to me as long as they want to do something. But oftentimes committees end up being meeting groups and they just meet and it's social and they get together and they talk about the problems, but they don't, they don't effectively answer or try to fix the problem. So my standard rule is I'll go to two meetings. After that, if we don't have a plan, I'm out. <laughs> and and, and it's, it, it sounds selfish uh, in some respects, but it's really not because there isn't – you can only talk so much about something. Right. And what happens more often than not, and you see this, I'm sure, even more so than I do, is everybody talks about money first, the cost of something. Right. The cost is always going to be there. But instead of taking the cost of something and making it that first speed bump you hit or the roadblock you hit, call it a value, first of all. <laughs> it's not right. the cost of something. You should look at the value of it and put it in the back. Figure out, because that's going to adjust the cost and the value of, of how you can get this thing done. So whenever I go to a committee, they start talking, oh, well, how much is this going to cost? I'm, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, don't do that. Let's talk about what we want to accomplish. Right. The cost is always going to be there. Nothing's right. for free in this world, but let's figure out what exactly we want to get accomplished because that may change the cost. It may lower it. It may, may expand it, but then also don't lose sight of the value because right. for you to start your program in our Head Start program, we can talk about, I can talk about the cost of fresh produce that I provide for this program, but that's irrelevant to me. What's relevant is the value of what these kids are getting out of it. Right. You can't put a number on that. And, it, and it's not, I mean, it's, it's sure more than a dollar twenty nine for a pint of strawberries. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean, you get the value on that. You can exponentially multiply that to, to this child is going to benefit from this. Right. So, yeah. I mean, isn't that, that was, what it's all about? Absolutely. And <laughs> I, love, I love the way that you think about things like that because, you know, we're now in our third year in Head Start. Mm -hmm. And the value I think is immeasurable. I, I've heard so many stories and I've seen the kids. I've had a chance to go and visit them mm -hmm. during their lessons. I did a story time over there last year and the kids were all running up to me telling me about which vegetables they love the most. And it just, you know, brought tears to my eyes. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, to see how the teachers now are really buying into it. Um, we got a request. All the teachers want Dr. EM t-shirts now that they can wear on their Dr. Yep. EM lesson days. Um, for those of you who are listening, basically our curriculum is a series of monthly lessons. And where BK really helped us is to be able to source that produce um, because I worried about the cost of how we were going to get mm -hmm. produce for these lessons. And so you figured that piece out for us and we're able to provide the produce to us. And we have a very dedicated 
staff member, Wendy Cannon, who now actually goes on Thursdays once a month when the lessons are being taught and gets the produce kind of ready for the teachers now. So we have a great system. Outstanding. And uh, you sent me a picture the other day of this beautiful tray of all these tasting plates ready for the kids to try different ingredients for a salsa. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's wonderful to see it come full circle. And um, we're really excited about you know, offering some new enhancements. We have some grand plans for some new enhancements and lessons that we want to add. Um, And it's a population that really, I think, benefits the most, honestly. And so that's why it was so meaningful for me. It's where education starts. So what makes food any different? Right. I just want to know that. Somebody's got to explain to me, give me the other side of the argument where you shouldn't do it. I'd love to hear it because I just, I don't see it. We educate children in certain ways we start at that age. Why isn't what they're putting in their body just as important as to what they're putting in their mind? Because it's just, it's, they're, they're all, it's a carlet to each other. I mean, it's crazy not to think of it that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, in Virginia here, we have the highest population of obese preschoolers on WIC, we're yeah. the number one state. And, um, and also recently, um, there was a big study that showed that preschoolers are the fastest growing obese population in pediatrics. So to hit them with this information early and head start yeah. is really the place we should be focusing. And then, of course, you continue the great work throughout um, the rest of their school years. Yeah, as just well. keep carrying it through, just you know, the consistency. But, you know, people talk about food waste in schools. I hear this a lot, like, you know, that they run into this roadblock that the salad's ending up in the trash can. And so what do you say to that? Um, when you're trying to feed all these kids and you worry about a budget to begin with, and then, you know, the food waste that may ensue after you introduce some of these new foods. Well, there's, there's so many variables to it. So you put a whole apple on a five-year-old's tray. What do you think is going to happen to it? They're not going to eat the whole apple. Right. So yeah. why don't you just stop doing that? <laughs> you know, and not to mention apples aren't cheap. They're, they're like 40 cents, a good apple, like Virginia apples, 40 cents a piece. So wow. that's, that's ridiculous. Number one, it's too much for the small child. Right. So just give them, cut it in half and give them quarters or whatever. That's number one. Number two is how are you marketing and how are you merchandising like a salad? Even at our high school level, we make these little, little one, what I call one pound salad, side salad. So a kid can just, grab it if they want it right they're not forced to take it they right. want it you know let them think for themselves but they've learned this through our school system too that these things are going to be available right at every level not just in elementary school because they're more important they're all important they're going to get whatever they need to get as they as they grow through the years and, and food waste is food waste is a reality that it exists but it, does your food taste any good I mean, <laughs> I guarantee you, children like to eat taste that food that tastes really, really good. That's true. So if you make food that tastes good and looks good, because they eat with their eyes, I mean, the, the first thing you learn in culinary school is color, texture, and taste. If you haven't learned that, right? In my business, you shouldn't be in the business. You right. should know that everybody eats with their eyes first. If it looks appealing, they'll check it out. If it smells appealing, even better. Then they're going to find a taste. The taste the last thing they figure out. Right, right. So normally they're not tasting my food and then throwing it away. I'll guarantee that. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> they might have, you know, they, they might not like something and they, they move on. But if they're grabbing it, they want it. So food waste is a reality. But again, the value. 
What's the value of putting out good food rather than just making an excuse and saying, well, they don't want that. Right. More often than not, I hear, oh, they're not going to eat that. They don't want that. How do you know that? Right. (laughs) You know, how do you know that? I think it's really important for parents to hear this too. Um, we have this unrealistic, unrealistic expectation of how much food a child should eat. And oh. so it makes this, it expands this problem of food waste because we're just putting too much food on the mm-hmm. plate. It can be overwhelming for the child. It can be anxiety provoking to see more food than they can manage. And uh, sometimes they're going to be more willing to try if the, if the bite, the serving yeah. is, is underwhelming for them. It's, it's really, it's rewarding to them. You'll see kids when they have an empty plate. I mean, I grew up that way. Right. I grew up having to clean my plate. So right. why not make why make it such a difficult proposition for a five right. or six year old or eighteen year old to clean their plate? Just make it something that they're going to enjoy. It's going to. I'd rather a kid ask me for more. Hundred percent. You know, and I, I won't give it to them necessarily because it's not part of the program, and and it's you know they don't need it. But <laughs> I'd like them to ask for more. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, you know, there are parents listening, I'm sure, who are thinking, gosh, how can we get BK in our school? Um, my kids don't eat hummus at their school. They're not eating black bean burgers and all these wonderful things that you make at your school. And why why isn't that happening in other schools? And how can we make that happen throughout our country? Because we had a conversation. You believe that this can be done in almost any school district, is that true? Uh, firmly, I believe it's true. I think you can do it anywhere. Like there, there's, you know, regional things are different with growing seasons and what's, you know, uh, available. Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm from New York. I, I've been here 30 years. We got the same food. Right. And we're 400 miles away. So, granted, maybe in far off places, it's some things are harder to access. I understand that. But the culture of preparing quality food for children, that's a culture. It's, it's not, there's, right. there's, there are not reasons. And really there, there might be 10 or 12 reasons why it, they say they can't do it. There's really one reason why it has to be done. And that's because it's the right thing to do. So we, we didn't do this overnight. We didn't just flip a coin. All of a sudden we've got this great food. We design systems and processes and, and how we're going to create recipes. I mean, making the 500 or so recipes that I have for school nutrition takes time. Sure. You know, it takes time. But um, what else am I supposed to do? I mean, <laughs> you know, that's part of, I mean, what they eat is the most important part of my job. How I get it to them is, is the second most. So my staff is trained. My staff is, is part of this culture. They love to do this. And that's what's required. Teachers have to love teaching to teach well. Right. You know, physicians have to love helping people. They have to. Right. You know, with the goods and the bads and the, and the pros and the cons, there's that in my business too. It's not all, you know, Cinderella story. It's just, but it's really, really great when you, you get immediate gratification from children to see them enjoying what you're doing. It's not, it's not like it. I, I recently looked at a picture of my high school yearbook. <laughs> oh, so many years ago. <laughs> and I saw a picture of my cafeteria staff. It's fascinating to me. And I remember them because I was an athlete in high school and I was always hungry. And I would mop the floor or sweep the kitchen or something. And they'd give me a free, back then it was like a, whatever it was, a soy cheeseburger or something. It was awful food. But it was what I needed. 
and I liked it, and it was fun. It, and, and I was, and they had a culture back then too, where they cooked a lot from scratch. Right. It there were different um, vital things that they had to, back then. You know, much more starchy and all that other stuff. It was the '70s. I understand that, but it was still important to me. So when I see my staff, that's how I make my staff feel. They have to be feel important. So when the kids come in, they feel important. Yeah. The kids feel important because they're being served the best product we can serve, not just something that's thrown on a plate. Whatever we do, we, we try to do it the best possible way we can. We buy good products, you know, and I use the term putting money on the plate. That's really where the expenses should be. It shouldn't be an administrative cost. It shouldn't be in, in other things that don't directly affect the plate. The plate is what it's all about. So if, if you, my food cost is high, everybody will tell you that. And, and that's okay with me because I know the quality of the food is very good. It's high relative to maybe other programs where, where my labor cost is much lower yeah. or somewhat lower than other programs. Yeah. I mean, well, I've been to your kitchen and cooking happens in your kitchen. Oh yeah. I mean, it is, yeah. it is on people are cooking, they're mm -hmm. chopping, they're making real food. And I, I don't know that that's the landscape in all, I th uh, all school districts in some, you know, I'm trying to get involved in the state level with this, and I and I and I hope I can. I think the the DOE, the Department of Education, and and that school nutrition department wants that. You know, wants wants divisions to kind of balance home homemade food. To there are packaged foods you have to buy. It's a reality. But if you balance it right, you really give the kids a a, a vast look at at what the possibilities are. And as far as fresh fruits and vegetables. There's no excuse for it. Yeah. There's no excuse for not having them every day. There's just none. So for parents listening who are thinking about feeding their own kids in their home, um, what are some of the tips? Because you're feeding thousands of kids on mm -hmm. a budget. So I have to think that some of the tips and tricks that you use to feed a few thousand kids on a, bu on a budget could be also translated into how parents could do that for their own family. So what are some of the top tips that you can give families to kind of making their money stretch to give their kids a great meal? Well, the one thing you have to do is you have to have salad every day. <laughs> I say it. I, I, eat, I eat salad every day, and I never ate salad when I was a kid. Yeah. Just didn't. So you eat salad every day for dinner. I mean, it's got to be there. It's going to be there for them at lunchtime in my school system. But every night for dinner, they should have that as part of their meal. Yeah. As you know, it's incredible for digestion. There's so much nutrients in it. Um, and that's a really good start because it also fills you up. Right. It fills kids up with something they're going to utilize as a fiber and not just as an empty carbohydrate. So we want to get into the whole dietary thing. Right. Um, I would also say cut down the carbohydrates because carbohydrates are what's really getting kids in trouble. Yeah. You know, cut them down a little bit. Be gentle with the carbohydrates. Right. Um, the, the same, I think, and you could correct me, you know, RDA is like almost 300 carbs a day still. How is that possible? You know, so. Especially the simple carbs. I tell kids, be kind it, to your pancreas. You know, you know and a lot of learn a little bit about carbs, but, and that's easy to do. Um, I'll tell you what, it, it wouldn't be bad to figure out the parents, local parents in Fredericksburg have asked me and, and asked, they see what their kids like. You have to start making food for them. Yeah. And when you budget, 
if you just take it in in small pieces first, pick some lean proteins, some nice chicken, some seafood. Um, beans are going to be something that's going to be challenging for people that are new to cooking. So don't jump on it right away. Learn the basics, you know, right. and enjoy it. Right. Um, but try to have it, keep it simple and try to have that. If it's going to be that dinner, when you're going to do dinner four or five nights a week, even that's great. Yeah. And if it's only three nights a week, that's great too. Yeah. Crawl before you can walk, take it simple. Don't stress about it. And every day it's going to get easier and easier. Yeah. And if you're going to watch TV, watch a cooking show. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up, not to go off on yet another tangent, I grew up with my mother sitting me in front of a television, right? Everybody did. I was watching the Galloping Gourmet. Now, it's way before your time, but this was Graham Kerr. He was just this galloping English dude just jumping around cooking. (laughs) He was. And this was 71, 72. So I watched cooking shows now just just for ideas, thoughts. It's not to me right? it's to me that is a reality show. It's somebody there cooking. And so you can watch these shows and they're really educational and fun and they the thing they do so well is they portion so well on the yeah, shows. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've spent the last 20 years developing recipes for 500 from 10. Right. So that's an art and it's a skill, but it takes time to do that. You don't want to, you don't have to learn the the reverse way. So you can watch these cool shows and you can learn how to make a roasted chicken dinner or a roasted seafood dinner. You can learn, you can learn how to make a, a good homemade hamburger. Yeah. From TV. Rather than just blindly looking at TV yeah. and not learn, use it as a tool. It, it used to be a tool when I was a kid. It's funny you say, my kids love cooking shows. I find them watching cooking shows a lot. Yeah. It's entertaining, you know, it, it's, and, it's, and it's inspirational. It's I wish that people would spend more time actually cooking from watching the cooking yeah. shows than just sitting and watching them. But I think it's a great way to get some inspiration. You know, in the 60s and 70s and, and 80s even, they, used, they always used to be a little TV in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. And we got away from that because TVs were just because TVs used to be where mom was watching something and she was cooking yeah. or, or dad or whoever. And we got away from that. So now you got the big screen TV sitting in the TV room and everyone's just standing there looking at it and they're just <laughs> they're, they're, they're just engrossed by nothing. Somewhat, somewhat entertainment. So when I just I just renovated my kitchen and <laughs> I was told. We need a TV in the kitchen, and I know why, because there's always a cooking show on in my house. Always. That's awesome. It is. It's kind of fun, and I don't get to sit and watch as much as you know I'd like, but if I'm cooking, it's kind of cool. Let's throw on Lydia, and let's see what she's making. You yeah. know, it's authentic. They have nice uh, cultural shows. Sure. You know, and, and it's Do you it's have education. a favorite celebrity chef? You know... Uh, yeah, I have a soft spot for Bobby Flay because he became he was a young chef in Manhattan when I was living up there. Okay. So he went to the Manhattan Culinary School, which was a I think originally a six month program up there. Um, he's got a unique way of cooking that uses um, foods for flavor as opposed to spice for flavor. Mm. You know, he really celery gives you great flavor. It, you know, <laughs> there are there are foods that you know, roasting shallots gives you this great sweet, you know, 
addition to your salsa, whatever it is. Right. He really learned that art better than most. Yeah. But, you know, Jacques Pepin is fantastic, the grandfather of it all. Yeah. So I like to ask my uh, guests a f- couple of questions. Okay. So the first is, is there a health habit that you feel like you have conquered that has made your life better? The second one is, is there a health habit that you're still learning to conquer? And then the last one is, what's your favorite vegetable? So we'll start from the health yeah. habit that you feel like you've conquered. Uh, addiction to carbs. Oh, that's that's one that you are learning to conquer. Yeah, I'm, I've got or a good grasp conquered. on it. I got a good grasp on it. Good. Tell it. You know, give us give us some bits about how you've done it. Um, well, learning, being around food all the time, is is great. <laughs> it's also a challenge for me and anybody, because um, you kind of do senseless eating. You know, you have to taste. You have to do these things. Yeah. But carbs are are, are are something that's really, and I'm not I'm not promoting any kind of diets or anything. If I was going to promote any diet, I'd promote a Mediterranean diet personally because I think it's got some great fabric to it. Um, but I, I stick to car, uh, complex carbohydrates as best I can. I don't really have any empty carbs. I don't eat a lot of sweets or anything like that. Um, on occasion, I'll, you know, a nice piece of dark chocolate is nice. But um, And I try to keep it to 100 a day. And I think that's just – it's not easy. Yeah. No, it's but, not. But uh, I, I try to average about 100 a day. And uh, – some diets are so restrictive as 25 and, but you know, when you're, when you're doing over 150 or 200, it, it gets challenging as you get older Yeah. because you're not as active as you are as you, as you, and which will get to my next question, I guess. So what's one that you're learning? Activity. You Activity. Know, I yeah. work so much and I don't work at a desk granted, but I used to coach. I used to, you know, I was an athlete. When you're a former athlete, your body your metabolism is different, so it changes as you get older. Yeah. You know, I'm learning more about what affects my metabolism. So that end of it, uh, I'm trying to increase, you know, the physical activity end of it. And I work. It's hard with your schedule, I it's would hard, imagine. You, you know, you're... it's hard with your schedule, but to me, that's kind of like somebody telling me fresh food is more expensive. <laughs> it's a cop-out. <laughs> it really is. You know, it's a cop-out. To me, I have to, and, and as soon as I get that in my mind, I'm going to say, okay, well, that's a cop-out. Everybody's busy. Like, if somebody says they're busy, everybody's busy. Yeah. I love yeah. hearing that. Oh, I'm too busy. You know, <laughs> we're all busy. But even for a two- or three-day-a-week thing where I could just get some physical, real physical activity, like a good, solid half hour or 45 minutes of focus on that, it, it, it changes a lot of dynamics yeah, for you. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it just it changes everything. You know, just like diet, but it changes everything. So, so what about your favorite vegetable? That's I don't know just this. Painful. Because <laughs> there's too many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would have to say, my favorite vegetable is a Brussels sprout, cooked right. I am right there with you. And to me, that's it's if it's if it's sautéed the right way in olive oil. Bloop, with some hot pepper flakes, I'm, I am just happy as could be. Oh. A little Parmesan, fresh grated Parmesan or shaved Parmesan. It's the best thing in the world. And I I ran away from them as a kid. Yeah, I know. It makes me very sad to know that there's so many kids who are eating poorly 
prepared Brussels sprouts and feel like they're not very good because they're so good. It's it's really what what the can in, the canning industry did, you know. When you started canning vegetables, <laughs> you're you're just dying to throw them down the drain because the kids are not going <laughs> to. I mean, they say there's no difference in in vitamins in, in a canned vegetable or fresh vegetable. That's fine, whatever. I don't care. The fact is, they taste awful. Right. They just do. So you have to you have to get fresh vegetables. You just have to those side vegetables. You can get a pound of green beans and feed your whole family, and boy, that's cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're really good. So, but Brussels sprouts, you know, is probably my favorite. I love it. I'm right there with you. This has been so much fun. <laughs> I'm so happy that we've gotten to hang out a little bit. It's, it's been, been nice. a while. And um, yeah, for those of you listening, BK has been a friend of mine. We've been fo- working in the same circles. You do such incredible work. And I, I have to say that if kids around this country all had a food services director like you who was so invested in making sure that they ate healthy it would change the landscape of this country really so hats off to you keep doing what you're doing i would love to see you influence many many other food services directors not just in our state but around the country so well we hope so i thank you very much for your time Good to get my word out there, I guess, as best yeah. I can. Let's do this and, again uh, sometime. Anybody who'll listen, then I'll tell them all about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thanks to Mary Washington Healthcare for their generous financial support of this podcast. Thanks also to Gay Adegbalola for her musical contributions. This has been Dr. Yum's Dish. Check out our website at dryum.org and search Dr. Yum to find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. That cabbage, oh, she's a cutie. Please roll around and have such fun. Lettuce has pretty ruffles. But they're not number one Give me some broccoli Give it to me please Give me some broccoli That's what I need It tastes so good I can't go wrong Vitamins and minerals Keep me strong That's broccoli, broccoli, broccoli That's what I say.